Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Now, there's one part in the scripture where I'm going to need your help. Will you guys be our kind of disciples? Your line, your line is, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Can we try that? Take heart, heart get, get up, up. He he's calling you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> May these words fall upon your ears fresh and new, and that they might breathe life into you and guide your ways. Hear the word of the Lord. It is written, they came to Jericho as he, Jesus, and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up. Yep. He is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? My teacher, let me see again. Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word, word of the Lord. Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, our God, these words fall on our ears in a different way than we have ever heard them before. And may we see ourselves in the characters in the story so that we can better have faith and be strengthened. We know that examples of faithful people in our lives will strengthen our own faith. Amen. I've been following along with the saga of the 12 children that were trapped in the cave in Thailand as soon as my husband alerted me to it. I've been on hikes before. I used to take youth group kids on hikes. We went on a hike a couple of weeks ago up to Griffith Park, and it was something very simple. You start at the base, you know, it takes you an hour or so. You go to the top, it's a beautiful view, and you come back down. These are the hikes that we understand here in Southern California. Maybe it gets a little treacherous um, with some of the, the waterfalls that we have, but nothing like what was described in the news to me. The cave suddenly took on water, and it was a cave that they went through, not just simply a hike. And so after taking on water, they were trapped because they couldn't get through the watery passageways that had been previously clear. And so essentially, they were blind and unable to get through like they had been. In the rescue process, it was a very prolonged period. I don't know if you were following it, but it took several days, actually more than a week. And uh, there were different rescue efforts. One person even lost their life by having to go through, and he placed different air pockets, air, um, what are those things called, the little air tanks, along the way so that they could use them on their rescue out. And for several days, the boys were wading through the water, and each boy was accompanied by two divers, one ahead of them as a guide, and one behind of them to hold their air tank. To get out, they went through darkness. And these were very odd passageways, 
And there was even one place called the joint, and it was a tight junction. It was called the jo- the choke spot. And it was really hard to get through, and you had to actually take all your tanks off so that you could pass them all through, and it took a lot of time, a lot of nervous time. I was nervous just reading the stories and catching up day by day, but I'm sure the people that were in, especially the boys, were even the most scared. But after their calculations and after all of this careful planning, they all got out. They got out of the darkness. They were all rescued. And it's absolutely a marvelous thing that people would put their lives on the line, but our hearts were torn by the thought of these terrified children wanting nothing more than to be reunited with their families. Sometimes it takes a lot of effort to get out of the darkness and to be able to see. Sometimes it takes a lot of work to realize that we're actually even in the darkness. And when we finally see the light, what do we do? In our scene from the scripture today, we're in chapter 10 out of 16 in the Gospel of Mark. So it's nearing the end. And it's right before Jesus enters Jerusalem. You probably remember this is how the story goes in all of the Gospels. That Jesus at some point near the end, a couple of chapters out from the end, he goes into Jerusalem. And we, what happens ensues Holy Week where Jesus enters into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. On the Thursday, he has supper with his disciples and then on Friday and is arrested. And then on Friday, he's crucified and then Easter happens. So this is all right before that story. And it goes on and on and on. And it stops at this point, right before Jesus enters Jerusalem. And this is a note to see, because in the Gospel of Mark, one of its attributes is that it says the word immediately dozens and dozens of times. Immediately, Jesus goes from one place to another. Immediately, he got up and went. Immediately, he took his disciples and they went from one place to the other. But in this story, Jesus stops. Bartimaeus calls out and Jesus stops. We're trying to get someplace in this story. It must be important if Jesus is going to stop. And we already know that Bartimaeus is the person that calls out, and so he's an important character in this story. We know that Bartimaeus is a man of faith, so let's, let's look at the character of Bartimaeus. You ready to go with me? He recognizes who Jesus is. He doesn't just call and say, hey, Jesus. Like he says, hey, Danielle, what's up? It's good to see you. Welcome back. Hey, Kelsey, what's going on? I'm really glad to see you. It's not just a, hey, Jesus, what's going on? He calls out to Jesus and he says, I know who you are. You're the son of David. That means something. That means something really big. When he says the son of David, that means that he is inheriting all of this stuff. He's a king. He's righteous. He's amazing. That's what it means. That would cause Jesus to pause. And he clearly believes Jesus can help him because he sits out there all day. Poor Bartimaeus. I mean, Ben was sitting over here. Poor Bartimaeus. He was just sitting here shaking his cup and saying, please come help me. And he, you know, that's all he really could do every day. But at some point, he knows that Jesus is there and he knows that Jesus will do something for him. Different than all of the other passerbys that have gone by. And Jesus says, Bartimaeus, your faith has saved you. So Bartimaeus leaves his begging gig, leaves it all behind. His cloak was set out before him. Um, It's never that hot in Jericho. It's kind of like 
if you don't have the air conditioning right now, you don't need your cloak. <laughs> so you usually lay it out, and that's where you put your basket, and you say, this is, this is me, this is my stand I've set up, and I need money. Please put it here. And so he puts away his cloak. He doesn't need it anymore, and he goes immediately to Jesus. And you can think about it. This was his job. This is what he did every day. And it harkens back to, remember when the calling of the first disciples happened? Where Jesus was walking along the shore and he said to those who are fishing, put away your net, come follow me. And they did. So put away your net, put away your cloak, come follow me. They did. It's a similarity that we can see. And so Bartimaeus does. He goes along with Jesus. There's a huge crowd that's following along. And Jesus has been trying to talk to this crowd for a long time. He's been telling them that he's the Messiah. But what does that really mean? What does it really mean that he is the Messiah? And they just quite don't understand what that means. And so until now, you would think that somebody would have gotten it. Someone really smart, someone who had studied the scriptures, somebody who had been paying attention. But it's the very least likely character who sees. Actually, it's the guy who can't see who sees. That's quite a metaphor. So often it's the unexpected people that have very strong faith. Perhaps those who normally were excluded from society those were the ones that saw Jesus more clearly. They had less to give up. They had more to put on to Jesus because they had something to be rescued from. And so maybe there's this juxtaposition of they have something physically seen to be rescued from, and so they very visibly need Jesus' rescuing. But we all have something, don't we? It's not necessarily our physical blindness, But we all have something about us. And sometimes it gets in the way of us seeing Jesus. So Jesus comes up to Bartimaeus and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Which basically means, Bartimaeus, you want to give up this begging gig, right? Do you want to live your life differently where every day you come to this road and you beg? That's the life that you have chosen. Or do you want to come and follow me? And Bartimaeus says, yes, yes, I do. So very much so do I want to have my life changed physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Jesus, I want to have my life changed. And this is quite a challenge to Bartimaeus, and he rises to the occasion. And for the first time in many years, can you imagine being blind for so long, and the first thing that you get to see is Jesus' face? And you see this giant crowd, and you're caught up in the whole thing, and you get to walk along with Jesus to the road to Jerusalem. And Jesus can do that for Bartimaeus, and Jesus can do that for all of us. But we have to be willing to leave our nets behind, to leave our cloak behind, to leave that life of blindness behind. The school system in the United States is thankfully very good. Um, there's a lot of different options for the variety of students that are out there. Um, and so I got to know this one family a couple of churches ago who was having trouble with the school system, but not just trouble with the school system, but trouble with their daughter in the school system. 
she was getting bullied by a variety of different people for a variety of different reasons. I won't go into it, but she was just having a challenge and she faced different things. She tried to make a friend group and they all went against her. And so then she tried to make another friend group. She tried all of the advice that was there. Make sure that you're having friends with your softball friends. Make sure that you're having friends with your Girl Scout troop. And then the school friends won't matter as much. You know, try to, try to make sure that you have some safe place to go. But you know how middle school is. It's a little rough sometimes. And so sometimes friend groups just don't work out. Sometimes you can try and try and try, and you just try to find some sort of escape. So the family was willing to think about different kinds of schools for their daughters. They went and looked at large schools, uh, small schools, private schools, charter schools, homeschooling. They even thought about moving out of the school district altogether and just trying a new town, which are all options. And they felt free with all of these options. These would have all been good, real possibilities, but the middle schooler saw a flaw in each one of them. None of the schools would do. It's kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. This porridge is too hot. This porridge is too cold. This porridge is just right. When was the school that was just right going to come, her parents thought. And after sitting uh, in the classroom, the, the girl was able to see and sit in and see what the teachers were like and the students were like. She got up from the classroom and she went and found her parents who were having a discussion with the principal. And the girl who was impending on middle school said, these people can't do anything for us. That guy, she was pointing to the principal, can't do anything for us. We got to go. And it was just another place where she didn't want to be changed. She wanted everybody to feel sorry for her. She wanted to still be a victim. She wanted to remain in that place and stay surrounded by her net, stay surrounded by her cloak, and stay in that place, stay begging all the time. At some point, we do have to let Jesus in. At some point, we have to let Jesus in. And this kind of story lends itself particularly to um, a slow and patient meditation. And so find yourself in the different characters that we have. You saw that Helena was exhibiting Jesus. You saw that Ben was exhibiting Bartimaeus. And you all yourselves were the crowd. And I love going through the scripture like this so that you can find yourself in it. Because at what point in your life will you need to react? At what point in your life will you need to have the story come alive for you and accept Jesus? So imagine yourself in the crowd. It's a hot day. It's Jericho. If you don't have AC, this is still not a very big stretch. So it's dry. It's dusty. And you're excited. You're with Jesus. You're going up to Jerusalem. You know that something big is happening. Every time you go to Jerusalem, it's like the big town. And someone all of a sudden is shouting from the roadside. (sighs) What a nuisance. Possibly even dangerous. Because remember, he was shouting out, son of David. And if the authorities had gotten wind of any of this son of David king business, the authorities would have shut him down. So examine your own feelings and try to remember a time when you felt swept up into a movement with a large crowd, excited about something pending that would happen. And then turn and watch Jesus, who is usually not put out by his annoying followers, 
And so Jesus pauses the whole crowd and turns and goes to the blind man. How do you feel about that? Do you want a beggar in this big party? How do you feel about it when Jesus speaks warmly to him? Has Jesus ever spoken to you like that? Now, with folks that you don't necessarily agree should be there in this big crowd, there's the blind man, there's the poor, there's the widows, there's immigrants, there's orphans, and now all of you are all together trailing off to this hill in Jerusalem. It's no inside and outside club anymore. Everyone's welcome. That's putting yourself in the mindset of the crowd. Well, what about being the blind man? Follow along with me in this story scenario. We all have something. By no no means we mentioned necessarily a physical ailment that's prohibiting us, that's getting in our way of being people that God wants us to be and made us to be. But yet we sit on the sidelines to the story of Jesus and think, that's not for me. You sit by this roadside and you listen to the crowd going by and you examine your own feelings and you think, Jesus is coming by. And you call out to him. At first he doesn't hear you because your voice actually maybe didn't come out. But you call out to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, come here. Heal me. How often have we cried out? Jesus, come be a part of my life. And then at some point, Jesus summons you and you put everything aside that you have and you go to him and we ask you what you want him to do for you. You go for it. This is your one opportunity. You're right in front of Jesus and you say, Jesus, I need relief. I need a new job. I need to be out of this relationship. I need some pressure to be alleviated. What is it that you ask God? Ask God in confidence for exactly what you want. And we as Christians believe that God already knows what we want. But verbalizing it sometimes is just so hard. And careful, don't look back to that comfortable life you found yourself in with that cloak spread out. Go in confidence and ask Jesus for what you want. But now, here comes the real challenge. Do you have the courage to think of this story from Jesus' point of view? Have you gotten to know the character of Jesus from reading the scriptures well enough to know what Jesus would do in these situations? And that's the challenge for us today. What would Jesus do? Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, our God, we are so thankful for the challenge that you put before us. The challenge is that we read these scriptures and we are moved by them. We are not passive. We do not sit by the roadside. But yet we you call us to come nearer to you, that we move. Give us wings to fly for that. In your name we pray. Amen.